Let's open our Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. We studied in the 17th chapter about Mystery Babylon the Great. You find it in verse 5 in the 17th chapter. And Babylon actually is the archetype of all idolatrous obscenities in the earth. It's just really more than a literal thing. It has to do with, with religious, political, and uh, commercial. All of it corruptness from the ground up. And we can go back in the Old Testament and study in the book of Jeremiah and Isaiah, but mostly in Jeremiah where Babylon is brought out. And it speaks of that Babylon of old that was against God's people and the corruptness and the idolatries and the uh, false religions and everything that were involved. And then it's brought over here into the New Testament, the same idea. So when you speak of Babylon, you speak of the archetype of all idolatrous obscenities, whether it be religious, commercial, or uh, political, or whatever. It has to do with evil. And we've already spoken of some things in the 17th chapter. And if you'll remember a couple or three times earlier, it speaks of Babylon is fallen, anticipating the fall that we will continue to see here in the 18th chapter, and that will actually take place when Christ comes in power and great glory. So, let's look at the 18th chapter. And let me give you a few things here. First of all, you have the angelic announcement in verses 1 through 3. The angel announces the coming judgment. It's a, actually a proclamation of the coming judgment upon Babylon. And then you have in verses 4 and 5 a call to separate. God's people are called to separate from even in the tribulation period, that will, in the context of Revelation 18, uh, they're called upon to separate. By the way, we're called upon to separate from Babylonian and uh, idolatrous situations today. The same as, we, as those people will be then. And then in verses um, 6 through 8, you'll see her pride, Babylon's pride and righteous destruction. She deserves the destruction that's coming upon her. And then in verses 9 through 19, there's a kind of a universal lamentation over Babylon's fall. And it will, this universal lamentation will consist of the kings of the earth, the political aspect of her fall, the religious aspect we've already touched upon, and also the uh, commercial aspect of her fall because the merchants and the shipmasters and all that profited from all the delicacies that uh, the cargo that that uh, they brought into uh, her uh, needs and supplied those luxuries. We'll see the luxuries spoken of in verses 12 and 13 along in there that she needed and desired. And uh, they're going to lament her fall. And then verse 20 has to do with the rejoicing heavens. Heaven is made to rejoice because of her judgment, because God will avenge the blood of His uh, saints, His prophets, and then in verses um, uh, 21 through 23, we're going to find the utter and everlasting destruction of Babylon. And then <clears throat> verse 24, kind of singled out by itself, the last verse of this chapter, is the blood of the saints are found in her. The blood of the martyrs are found in her. So those that kill God's people, those that uh, 
end up with that are responsible for the martyrs, not only the martyrs of the tribulation period that we've already talked about, but the martyrs of the earth, it says there, and it would include even those in the days of the apostles and even the prophets of old, but especially the apostles, the New Testament uh, martyrs. We know that uh, in Acts, I believe it's chapter 12, where they killed uh, James, the brother of John, wasn't it? And, uh, and then they put Peter in prison, and uh, they were going to kill him, and the angel came and delivered him out of his prison and out of the jail. So anyway, uh, all those that were martyred previous are found to be that Babylon and the system of Babylon is found to be uh, responsible for her destruction. Now then, we want to get into the first verse of the 18th chapter, if you will, please. And verses 1 through 3, we'll read together. It says, And after these things I saw another angel come uh, down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lighted with his glory. You know, we I said we'd read verse 1 through 3, but let me just stop there a moment on the first verse. If you'll remember before, I pointed out several places where, and this possibly could be the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Uh, let me see where I pointed those out, those places. I think it was 7 verse 2. I gave you some references. There are four places. 7 verse 2, and 8 verse 3, 10 verse 1, and 18 verse 1. That we said previously. Uh, In 7 verse 2 it says, I saw another angel descending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And then in 8 verse 3 it says, Another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer. Here it's very much... Uh, Christ that's pictured here because He's the one that offers incense and He's the only one that can make intercession. And 10 verse 1 it says, And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon His head and His face was as as it were the sun and His feet as pillars of fire. And we said that the description here fits perfectly with with Christ's uh, majesty and glory in the first chapter, if you remember. These things are said of Jesus. And then 18 verse 1. Let's look at it again. So these four places, and we're not saying that definitely we can identify uh, each and every one with the person of Christ, but at least there's an indication because the earth was lighted with uh, His glory. And we know that the glory of Christ lights up the earth or will. So let's read 18 verse 1 again. And after these things I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. We know there's no power greater than that of the Lord. And the earth was lighted with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And has become the habitation of devils. Now Babylon has become the habitation of devils, the demons, and the hold of every foul spirit. Gathered in hers every evil, foul spirit, and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. It's like she houses all the vultures that come along. And verse 3, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth, see you have kings and merchants, are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now, verses 1 through 3 is a prelude. 
in which the whole judgment is proclaimed. That uh, he's going to bring judgment upon Babylon. If you remember, we said that there is ecclesiastical Babylon. That's the religious aspect. And that will be apostate Christendom, all corrupt religions united together during that tribulation period. You'll have commercial Babylon. And we said it's a gigantic world system of business and trade intimately allied with apostate Christianity. So you have ecclesiastical Babylon, religious, and you have commercial Babylon, and then you have political Babylon, and that's the federated head of the empire of the beast. And these three center in uh, the area of Rome during the Great Tribulation because we've identified that in the previous chapter. Now then, when we get to uh, verse uh, 3, let's take it more verse by verse. It says, And all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Judgment of God is going to come upon them because of this. Because of her sins, we'll find that very shortly in the next verse or two. And the kings, I want you to notice especially when you come across kings and merchants and shipmasters and sailors. When you come across those, you'll see the aspects of the control and the rule of this evil of the beast during the tribulation period. And why God would judge in such a way. So in verse 3, you have the kings of the earth and you have the merchants of the earth or wax rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Now, in verse 4 through 8, you might say, there's a call for God's people to separate themselves from this wicked city. Babylon is seen as a city in in the 18th verse of the last chapter, just glance back to the last chapter, the last verse of the last chapter. And the woman which thou sawest is that great city. See, that woman is, is spoken of as a city which reigneth over the kings of the earth. There are only two cities that are involved here in the book of Revelation. The one is God's city and the one is Satan's city. God's city is represented as Jerusalem or Zion. And Satan's city is represented by Babylon. Now, whether it be literal, a literal city, you know, some have said that Babylon is going to be rebuilt on the, across the river of the Euphrates or there in the location where it was of old, and that it will be rebuilt, and possibly it could be rebuilt. But I don't think that the terms are used to signify a literal place as much as it is uh, the actual uh, corruptness of the whole system of Babylonianism. Religious, political, and commercial. So everything will be corrupted. The religious world will be corrupted. The political world, and by the way, if it's not already, certainly will be then. And the commercial aspect will be corrupted to where that uh, the beast, the devil... Uh, through the power of the dragon, will have control over all three of these aspects. And when, when uh, he does, everything will be, will, will be bad. And that's why God is saying here in verse 4, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. If God has any people that's mixed up in that wicked system, 
during the tribulation period, God says to come out of it. Whether it's religious or political or commercial. Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues, because God is going to bring plagues upon her. And God's people are called to come out. Because the divine plagues are about to be poured out. They're about to descend upon Babylon. And we're talking about about to be. We're talking about in the tribulation period. We're trying to say these words in the context of the time which will be after the church is taken out and during close to the end of the great tribulation period that will be poured out upon this earth in judgments of God and the conflict between the the uh, beast and and the powers of God will take place all during the tribulation period. So that's why God says for His people to come out of her and not receive of her plagues. And verse 5 says, For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. God says He's remembered her iniquities. God does not forget sin. You know, God knows he, He's not in any hurry to judge it. But when the time comes of judgment, He will bring judgment. There's a scripture in the book of Ecclesiastes that says, listen carefully now, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore the heart of the sons of men, all the sons of men have a wicked heart, by the way, the heart of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. Have you ever heard a person say, well, if, uh, if I'm not right, if this is wrong, well, let God strike me. I wouldn't want to even say it. And just because He doesn't, they assume that everything's alright. And it says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. They say, well, it must be okay or I wouldn't still be uh, permitted to go on like I am. Well, that's a... That's an assumption on your part because God can judge at any time. But God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. In verse 6 it says, Reward her even as she rewarded you, and double unto her double according to her works, in the cup which she hath filled to fill, filled, hath filled, filled to her double. The cup that she's filled of her sins, he says, God filled to her double. This is the voice of the angel from heaven in verse 4. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she said in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. She says, I will never mourn. She's filled with what? Riches. She sits as a queen. She's glorified herself. That means she's prideful. There's a scripture in the book of Jeremiah. Let me read it for you. Uh, I believe it's 51. Let's see. Jeremiah 51 verse 9. Fifty one verse nine. No, that tells about her sins reaching to heaven. 
But it, it tells that. I'll give you another reference in a moment, but I'll just well read this one while we're here. It says, We would have healed Babylon, but she is not healed. Forsake her and let her go, everyone into his own country, for her judgment reacheth unto heaven. Isn't that what it said in Revelation? Her judgment reacheth unto heaven. Let me find the other place. I believe I'll turn. Ezekiel will be the best one. Ezekiel 28, verse 5 will do it. It says, By thy great wisdom, and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches. See, she lives deliciously. And thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Luxury leads to boastfulness and self-sufficiency, which is pride. See, God knows what we can stand in the way of luxuries. And it's alright if you can handle it, friend. Friend. Nothing wrong with God giving you the best of everything. But you better learn not to be filled up with pride and self-sufficiency and self-exaltation. It says, By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. And by the way, this is in the context of uh, one that's like Babylon. Back in chapter... 18 of Revelation. Hold your place there. Let's read verse 7 again. How much she hath glorified herself. Now look. And lived deliciously. She lived deliciously because she had all the riches and everything she needed. And and, uh, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart. Now this is what she said. I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Nothing's ever going to happen to me. Never say never. She said, I will never mourn, but God says, I'm going to make you sorrow. He's going to give her sorrow. Look at verse 8. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day. Therefore, because of her attitude. What is it going to happen? Her plagues shall come in one day. Death, she said, remember what she just said. And mourning, she said, I'll never sorrow. And famine, she had all the... De- well, she needed. It says in famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. She may claim to be great under the power of the beast. She may claim to have everything and claim that she'll never saw, but it says, for strong is the Lord God who judges her. We don't realize the power of God sometimes. We see the power of nature but God's behind that too. But we see the power of what a tornado or a cyclone or a, 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 all these destructive fires and floods can cause, don't we? Or an earthquake. We see the power behind that. But God is greater than everything. And when God judges, it says, Strong, mighty is the Lord God. Remember, we gave you the definition of Lord and God previously. Who judgeth her? And the people are going to lament over her fall. Verses 9 through 20 will show the kings of the earth in their lament. It will show the lament of the merchants who traded with her. And it will show the sea captains who became rich from the cargo that they would bring in to supply her. And when she falls, all of this will fall apart. Have you ever heard someone say, everything's falling apart? Then it will be falling apart. 
as far as she's concerned. It will really be falling apart. Now let's look and see what happens. In verse 9 it says, And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her. And that simply means that they followed her idolatries when it says they have committed fornication. The unclean acts humanly are used to picture the way that uh, people have acted in an idolatrous and uh, religious and political sense of the word. In other words, they've not been faithful to God. They've been unfaithful to God and faithful toward the beast. And therefore, they are uh, classified as, you know, James says in the book of James, ye adulterers and adulteresses. Now, what does he say? We're not talking about physical, literal. He says, know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. He's talking about leaving God for the world. That's the same as if a woman or man left their mate for someone else. And when we leave God for the world, we've committed spiritual adultery or fornication. We've we've sinned in the sight of God. And that's just a term to use to show you that these kings of the earth, look at it again, verse 9. And the kings of the earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her, they've enjoyed all of the, the riches and all the blessings because she was rich and she's able to provide for the political aspect through her riches. Uh shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. When she does fall, all the kings are going to uh, be lamenting her. They're going to say, look, what, look what's happened. Be like you and I putting our trust in a certain, uh, say, a certain banker and all of our money being there and, and everything tied up and we just think that's the grandest bank in the world and we've got everything and we've got all the wealth we need and we, we're doing great. And then the bank go busted and the, and the banker go down and, and the system go down itself. Boy, we would lament a few things, wouldn't we? Some are predicting that in the year 2000. I hope uh, Sharon has got the bank fixed up there where we won't lose her money. If she don't, she better get to fixing it. Hasn't she? But anyway... Beside that, what would happen when people lose everything, when they have their confidence in it, and they had their confidence in this beastly system that is at work during the tribulation period? You could go out and point, uh, try to point who the Antichrist is and who the false prophet is and who this false religious system is. We know there's a false religious system. There's a false church. There's a false commerce because they're going to be a, a trade union. And there's a false uh, uh, political powers. All these kings and the powers and these horns that are represent the seven heads or seven forms of government. We studied that in our last chapter. And the ten heads or royal personages or kings that are over governments and rulers. And when it all falls apart, they're going to lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning. Verse 10 says, Standing afar off for the fear of her torment. Well, they want to get rid of that, don't they? Saying, Alas, alas, that great city, Babylon, the mighty city, for in one hour is thy judgment come. That means uh, instantly or quickly. When it says one hour, it doesn't mean one sixty-minute hour. It means the hour of her judgment, and it comes so rapidly, you just say the hour of her judgment. In one hour, and almost instantly, the judgment falls upon her. And it says in verse uh, 
uh, 11, and the merchants of the earth. We've been talking, look at verse 9, it says, and the kings of the earth. Look at verse 11. And the merchants, merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buys their merchandise anymore. No man, no man buys their merchandise anymore. And what was the merchandise? Look at it, verse 12 and 13 and, and uh, 14. It says, The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and scarlet, silk and scarlet, and of fine wood, that's uh, sweet wood, and all manner of vessels of ivory and all manner vessels of most precious wood and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and the souls of men. She's always dealt in the souls of men. The devil likes to de- deal in slavery and the souls of men. And the fruits that thy soul lusted after are departed from thee. And all the things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee. And thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things. Now remember we had kings, now we have merchants. The merchants of these things, which were made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. They're going to lament too. So who's going to lament? The political aspect, the king's. The uh, commercial aspect, the merchants. And they're going to say in verse 16, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city which was clothed, that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught. If you've ever seen a time that uh, it will be very improper to trust in uncertain riches. It will be in the tribulation period. But it is so today, isn't it? It is so today. The psalmist says that, they, that uh, riches take wings and they fly away. They're gone. Uh, in the book of uh, Habakkuk, or Haggai, is one, one of the two, it says that you've, uh, you've earned money and you've stored up money and you put it in your pockets... And your pocket have holes in it. And it goes out. Does that ring a bell with anyone? You put your money in your pocket and it's gone. It's just like you don't have a bottom in the pocket. And that's a terrible situation to earn money and then not be able to even have have it long enough to get to the store to spend it. And he's talking about back there in the Old Testament where, where people, where God's people, Israel, had earned money and they were so selfish they wouldn't give God any of it. And thus, the judgment of God was upon their finances and they didn't even realize any benefit from it. They were earning wages and they putting it in their pockets and it fell out. And the reason was, he says, you know, you've got time to build your own sealed houses. You go back and read the context of what I'm talking about. You go back, you can build your sealed houses, but they were supposed to be restoring the house of God, and there was a lull of time that they had let it, they wouldn't do anything building the house of God for years and years. And, and uh, uh, Habakkuk was trying to get them to revive the situation. I believe I'm correct in saying Habakkuk instead of Haggai. You can look it up. But anyway, uh, he was trying to get them to restore the, and come back to the rebuilding 
of the house of God. And they put it off for years. And he says, you, you think it's time for you to build your sealed houses. Well, it's alright to have a nice house. But it doesn't mean at the same time you can put God's house off completely. You see, both ought to be done. Everyone ought to have a good house to live in. There's nothing wrong with that. You build a good house, that's fine. But don't neglect God's house at the same time. Well, anyway, that's the story of that. Well, here, what it says in verse 16, and saying, Alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour so great riches has come to naught. Now look, and every shipmaster in all the company of ships, in ships, and sailors, and as many as trade by the sea, stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? What are they saying? Babylon's fall here represents their destruction as well. And they're lamenting because they, they were made rich by the cargo that they could bring and supply. It seems that this system, uh, religious and political and commercial, will have all authority during the tribulation period so that they'll have all the wealth. And that's where the mark of the beast comes in where it says, uh, you know, late, earlier we read where the, that no person could even buy and sell unless they had the mark of the beast. So, it's, it all has to do with these three aspects of Babylon. The religious, the political, and uh, the commercial. And I believe you could sum it up in those three categories. The sea captains who became rich from the cargo that they would bring in. But when Babylon has fallen, all of these things we read of in verse 12 and 13, the gold and silver, precious stones, pearls, fine linen, purple silk, scarlet, and all these things that we read in verse 12 and 13... They won't be transported anymore. There'll be no no one can buy them. In fact, in the last part of verse eleven, it says, "For no man buys their merchandise anymore." It's good to have something to sell, but you got to have a buyer, isn't it? You ever heard people say, "I'm going to sell out"? Well, that's all right. You sell out, and I'm going to leave this awful place. Some people are going to sell out and leave Rio Dosa. And sometimes it's easier to leave than it is to sell. You see, you've got to have a buyer if you sell. Have you ever seen some of these farms that go bust? They had a picture on that public broadcasting, I believe, the other night. Louise and I were watching a farmer back in uh, Iowa. And he'd farmed all of his life. His grandfather and great-grandfather. And he farmed and then his son. I don't know if you saw that or not. It's about an hour and a half, two hour movie. And they had the auction. They had to put everything up for auction. Greatly, I remember one item uh, in the house, not the tractors and stuff, because usually that brings more than things in the house. But this poor mother, she had this great large dining table. I mean, huge, beautiful table. And I think it cost her $800,000 when they bought it. Some guy bid $200 and got the whole set. Table and chairs and everything. It's just like brand new. And they called the name of it. Very uh, popular uh, manufacturer. you got to have a buyer, don't you? And so, uh, 
in that time, there's going to be terrible commercial, political, and and uh, and religious turmoil, and it's all going to fall apart. And Jesus is coming, and He's going to judge the wicked at His coming, and He's going to set up a kingdom of peace and righteousness as He comes in the 19th chapter. And the 20th chapter, He sets up that kingdom, millennial kingdom. Let's go on with this. I'd like to finish this chapter. It won't take me a little bit. It says in verse um, uh, 17, For in one hour so great riches come to naught, and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by the sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, What city is like unto this great city? And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing and saying, Alas, alas, that great city. Now look, wherein were made rich all that had ships. Look. Wherein were made rich. This is very important. The last part of this verse tells you why. Wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness, for in one hour is she made desolate. So why are they weeping and wailing? Because they were made rich. All those that had ships were made rich. And now, her desolation. Now, verse 20, rejoicing. We're talking about the heavens rejoice. When this judgment takes place, and by the way, it will take place in the 19th chapter when Jesus comes back in power and great glory. You're just reading the details of it now. But in the 19th chapter, when Christ comes back in power and great glory, and the great final destruction of Babylon takes place, and the uh, battle of Armageddon takes place, and it's as He comes from heaven, this, these things will be fulfilled. We're reading the details of it in chapter 17 and 18. It was announced in chapter 16, the fall of Babylon, and even earlier one time, I think, once or twice. But here, we're, giving the, we're given the appendix of it and what all is going to take place when it does really happen. Now then, in verse 20, it says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy places, I mean ye holy apostles, Ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. God will bring His judgment in due time. And He will vindicate His church and His people and every child of God, whether it's in there on the earth at that time or in heaven. And the ones He's speaking about that God hath avenged uh, you on her are not only the people that have come out of her, but all of those that have been killed because of their faithfulness to God and they have... Uh, that wicked system, the beast and the false prophet and the political head and the, all the powers that be during that tribulation period will receive their judgment because they did kill. And we talked about the martyred saints during the tribulation period that will be taken up to heaven and be with the Lord. We have a little more about it in this chapter. Only a few more verses to go. So, it says, And a mighty angel took a stone like a great millstone, and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall the great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. This will be our final destruction. And this millstone that was cast into the sea was symbolical of her fall. I mean, a huge millstone. Some have described how large it is. And we could get to that by going... To the Old Testament as well. Jeremiah tells us. Look at Jeremiah 51, if you will, verse 64. 
Jeremiah 51 and verse 64. Maybe this is where it tells it. If not, I'll find it. Yeah. 63 and 64. Let's read it. And it shall be, this Jeremiah 51 verse 63 and 64 both will go together. And it shall be when thou hast made an end of reading this book, that was in Jeremiah's day, in Babylon of old, and it's symbolical of what we're reading here, in fact, probably prophetic, probably prophesies of this we're reading in the book of Revelation. You have Jeremiah 51 verse 63. And it shall be when thou hast made an end of reading this book, that thou shalt bind a stone to it, and cast it in the midst of the Euphrates, and thou shalt say, Thus shall Babylon sink, and shall not rise from the evil that I will bring upon her, and they shall be weary. Thus far are the words of Jeremiah. So it's not only true of Babylon of old and the fall that came to them, and the language that's used to speak of her fall, but back in our text, it also speaks of the fall of Babylon in the future in the book of Revelation. So, you have verse 21 again. You have Revelation 18, verse 21. Look at it quickly. And a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. And the voice of harpers, the musicians, of pipers, of trumpeters shall be heard no more at all. And I want you to notice how many times it says, shall be heard no more at all in thee. See, all the music will be put to silence. And no craftsman of whatsoever craft he be shall be found anymore in thee. Shall be found anymore in thee. And the sound of the millstone shall be heard no more at all in thee. And the light of the candle shall shine no more at all in thee. And the voice of the bridegroom and of the bride shall be heard no more at all in thee. For thy merchants were the great men of the earth, for by thy sorceries... Were all nations deceived. Sorceries. Uh, deceived means be led away by her magic spells. Deceived might be put, be led away. And sorceries, her magic spells. So it says, for by thy sorceries were all nations deceived. They were led away. And by the way, there is deception today, isn't there? People are being led away from God today by a wicked and evil and false things in the religious world as well as the other aspects of our lives. Now then, the last verse, and we'll look at it. And in her was found... Now, those that have killed God's people in the days of the apostles and in the days of the tribulation period, in her was found the blood of the prophets and of saints... And of all that were slain upon the earth. You're talking about the blood of those that were killed in, uh, in the earth in the previous history. As well as the blood of those that were killed during the tribulation period. So those that are responsible for the blood of saints anywhere at any time. God is going to make her to uh, be 